Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that wherever two or more of us are gathered, there you are. We give you thanks that we have this chance to bask in your presence, to know that we are yours, that we are loved by you, and with your power moving in our life, we can be transformed by you. And so God, take this time and make it yours. God, we ask for this to be holy ground and holy time, whether we are here in person, whether you're joining in online. Loving God, we are deeply thankful that we have this chance to encounter you, to be loved by you, to know you. And may this be the time where we do exactly that. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, give you thanks that we can surrender it all to you. And in that, get back so much more than we ever gave up. In surrendering it all to you, we can know your love and your truth and your comfort and your peace and your grace and your salvation. We give you thanks that you pour so much into our lives and into our world. God, we give you thanks for the prayer requests that have been answered in our lives that we can look at and go, that is a place where you moved. God, we give you thanks for all of those. And so, God, we come to you still with hearts heavily laden, uh, with pain and suffering. We lift up these prayer requests to you. We lift up Ray, uh, who is a brother from the Springfield congregation. Uh, he is still in the ICU and has now been put on a ventilator. Compl long complications due to a previous case of COVID, God. Uh, we pray for Ray. We pray for his healing. We pray for positive progress. We pray for his doctors and nurses, God. We pray that Ray may be made whole. Uh, we lift up uh, the family and friends um, of Alfreda Jenkins. Um, she passed away. Uh, so we lift up uh, her family um, and community in this time of loss. We lift up Emily Price, who is suffering from a sinus infection. God, we pray for her healing. God, we lift up our very dear sister, Chris Berry, uh, who is once again suffering from respiratory problems. And so, God, we pray that she may be healed, that she may be able to breathe easy. We pray that all of that may be set right. We lift up Barbara Summerlin, uh, who is in need of prayer. She is uh, feeling very unwell. And so, God, uh, we pray uh, for he her healing, for your hand to rest upon her. We lift up Tracy Oden, uh, who is suffering uh, from a high fever and a cough. God, we pray for her healing that she may be well. We lift up Tina Donaldson, who is suffering from the flu. We lift up Mike and Jerry Hodson, who are suffering from the flu. We lift up Chris Johnson, who is suffering from the flu. Uh, we continue to pray for John Hafner for healing uh, from his two strokes. God, we pray that John may be made whole once again. We continue to lift up Sandra on her long battle with pancreatic cancer. God, we pray that she may be made right. We lift up Dick Davis, who needs prayer. He has pulled his back um, and is in a, 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 quite a bit of pain. And so, God, we pray for your hand to rest upon Dick's back. Um, that he may be made well. We lift up the women's walk to Emmaus uh, that is still ongoing for a few hours yet, God. We lift up, in particular, our pilgrims. Um, but, God, we lift up them all, that it may be a way for you to move in their lives. God, we continue to lift up this ongoing coronavirus pandemic. But, God, we give you thanks. And we're in a very different place than we were two years ago. And, God, even in the midst of the loss and the suffering and the disruption, we can see that you have been present with us this whole time and are present with us still. But God, we also continue to lift up the people of Ukraine. 
Um, we pray uh, for their protection. We pray for their safety as Russia seems to move against civilian populations. God, we pray, pray for these ordinary people. Um, God, we give you thanks for, uh, for it has not been as bad as maybe it could have been. But God, we pray for peace. We pray for their safety. Uh, we pray that they may pr be protected. Uh, we pray that they may be able to live free. We also lift up a Granny Ani. Uh, who is suffer? Who it needs? Who is about to have surgery or has had surgery? Either way, they're praying for healing. And so, God, we pray for that. And so, God, this was a long list. There's a lot of in our lives right now that we turn over to you. And so, we lift up these prayer requests, both spoken and unspoken. Pray for you to move in mighty ways, as we have known you to move before. God, we have the faith that you indeed will do it again. And so, God, may we take that love that you have poured into us, that second chance, that next chance that we forever have in you, and may we turn it into being the answer to someone's prayer. May we go forth as your people, transformed by your love, able to do mighty things in you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. And I invite Pastor Emily and the kids to come forward for a message uh, prepared just for said children. Hello, friends. You are fast, my friend. I like your enthusiasm. Well, good morning, friends. This is actually the second time I've gotten to hang out with youth and kids this morning. We were at uh, Lakeview this morning. I got to talk to their confirmation class, so I got this cool Lakeview shirt on. Um, but I love getting to hang out with y'all for children's time because I get to ask these really fun questions, and I never know what you're going to say. It's the best. Um, so my... Right, bring on the chaos. So what is your favorite snack or dessert or candy? What is something that if you see it in front of you, you just, oh, you can't resist, even if you know you're supposed to wait for it, you just, you really want to dig into it. Is there something that's your absolute favorite thing? Whopper. 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 All right. The, now, Whopper the candy or like a Burger King Whopper? Or both. Yes, Whoppers are good. How about you, Zeb? What's your favorite? Got to think about a minute. Ice. Yes, ice cream. Ice cream? All right, Thomas. How about you? Um, a candy called lemon heads. Oh yes, lemon heads are delicious. Um, so for me, the thing that's oh so hard for me to resist if I see it's the perfect slice of pie. There's that good flaky crust, and there's, you know, either peaches or apples in it, and it's the best if it's got that bluebell homemade vanilla on the side, and you can just, mm, it's so, so good. One of my favorite treats. Well, today, um, we are talking about a time when Jesus was tempted in his physical body um, by some things that were very, very tempting. But Jesus, do you think um, it was things that Jesus did not need um, but he might have wanted. What do you think Jesus did, though? Do you think he made wise choices in the situation that he was in today? Yes. Yes, I think so, too. So let's pray for God to help us make wise choices, too. Sound good? Yes. Yes. All right, let's yes. pray. Will you, will you bow your heads with me? Would you put your hands together? And let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us to always make wise choices. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. You can go back to your seat. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It is the temptation of Christ. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an appropriate time. Say is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. So, to steal a line—excuse <clears throat> me—to steal a line from Star Trek, space, the final frontier. I have in my life been somewhat a space, and actually more specifically, a nerd about NASA. United, the U.S. is a space agency, the International Aeronautics and Space Administration. Uh, one of my most prized possessions is my uh, replica NASA uh, Type 2 flight jacket, like was worn by the Apollo astronauts, and maybe one of the single most expensive pieces of clothing I own, because it is a very precise replica, and I will tell anyone uh, who asks me about it, because I love it, and I think it makes me look very cool. I was the kid that, like, went to space camp as a child and as a 12-year-old could tell you the difference between a Saturn 1B and a Saturn 5 and tell you what missions they went on and the dates of, you know, the Apollo missions and Skylab and Gemini and, Merc Gemini and Mercury and all of it. When I was at space camp, I even got to be at NASA's, like, big, like, 30... 30th anniversary of the moon landing celebration on whatever that was, July 19th, 1999. I can't remember if it was 19th or 20th, whatever. On the anniversary of the, of the Apollo 11 moon landing, NASA did this big whoop-de-doo, and that happened to be when I was at space camp. So I remember sitting there at the lawn um, at the Space Center in Huntsville. Uh, there's a, a, a deconstructed Saturn V rocket as the background, and on the stage are such luminaries as Buzz Aldrin. I was hooked and remain hooked. And not just because I'm from Houston, but like, and so these are my hometown heroes, but like, I have been hooked my whole life. And some of it is I am naturally a techie. One of the things that I do for fun around here is Ken and I get up on uh, ladders and we run cable through the ceiling and we just have the best time. We're always fiddling with this video rig because I like technical stuff and I like sci-fi and I like airplanes. This is so like a, a weird mishmash of all of that sciency techie stuff. So there's actually 
to me something more about than just the technical side of human, of, of, human, of man's spaceflight. And it is, it makes what was thought to be impossible, possible. If you think about the world a hundred years ago, when humans had only very recently begun to fly in airplanes, and you would tell them that, whatever, 40-something years later, humans would walk on the surface of the moon, they would have laughed you out of town. That seemed impossible. That seemed like the realm of science fiction. And yet in July of 1969, the airplane had not been around for 70 years yet. Humans walked on the moon. And if you would have told that same person 100 years ago in 1922 that in 2020 we would have a space, a space station that has been orbiting the Earth constantly for over 20 years and that we're worried about someday it may just get too old, we'll want to stop using it, and that humans are able to survive in space for months and years at a time, they would have locked you up in some sort of strange Victorian asylum. And yet that's our reality. They're orbiting right now. Now, awkwardly, there are both Russians and, and Americans on that spacecraft right now. And I don't think they're talking to each other. And I think they're all staying on their separate. So there is actually a Russian side of the space station and an American side of the space station. And I wonder if there's a lot of really dark humor about invading everyone else's space happening on the space station right now. But I digress. Gotta think about that sometimes. They're very, they are trapped together in a, in a metal tube hundreds of miles above the surface of the earth and they literally have nowhere to go and you cannot slam your door in space and slamming your curtain is just not that dramatic. Anyways. To me, the beauty of manned spaceflight is it makes things that seem utterly impossible and proves that they are possible through teamwork, through investment, through technological advancement, that we can land a rover on Mars and live stream video of it, that we can even think about sending humans not just the surface of the moon, but to Mars. That feels impossible to me. And yet, I'm sure landing on the moon seemed impossible, and going to space at all seemed impossible, and all these other things that they have accomplished seemed impossible. They make the impossible seem possible. And that is actually that same thing, that same discovery of what seems impossible turning out to be, that what seems impossible turning out to be possible is also what happens here in the temptation of Christ. Now, not in a scientific way, but in a spiritual way. But still, there's kind of a true remarkable discovery here in the temptation of Christ, that evil and temptation can be defeated, and that in God they are already defeated. That this is a pitched battle between Jesus and the spirit of evil, Jesus and Satan, which is how the end times are also pitched, and Jesus wins like Satan is so many buzzing flies. And it also turns out that it's not just Jesus that has that power. We have that power, too, in Christ. Story of the Christ temptation shows one thing, and it is that the devil is clever. The devil is really clever. Because you have to remember, always keep in mind, Jesus is just as human as you or I. 
Yeah, he's also God, um, but, he ha but he feels hunger the way you feel it. He feels loneliness the way you feel it. He feels pain the way you feel it. He feels isolation the way you feel it. All those feelings that you might have in that situation are the things that also are in Jesus. Here, verses 1 and 2. I think just a good reminder of exactly how low Jesus is at the moment of his temptation. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where... For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days. And when they were over, he was famished. I know when it's like when some of my household doesn't eat for five hours. You can only imagine what any of us would feel having not eaten for 40 days. It is possible the human body can do that. You're not going to like it, but it is possible. But can you imagine how hungry? And then to be alone in the desert, no humans for miles. This is like a rocky desert. It's not even like comfortable, warm sand. Jesus is physically suffering, right? And so then up shows Satan going, hi, Jesus, how about, how about you, who are starving, how about you just make yourself some bread, right? Because the other part of this is, yeah, Satan cleverly has found Jesus at a very low moment. But on top of that, the things that Satan keeps asking Jesus to accept are not objectively bad things. I certainly have prayed for God to provide for me at moments in my life, and I'm willing any of us who have made it to adulthood have at some point gotten on our knees and say, God, I just, I don't know how this is going to work out. Will you provide for me? That's not bad. Scripture tells us to do that, right? Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. If God clothes the lily of the valley that will be here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will God provide for you? If God provides for the birds of the air and the grass of the field, how much more is God going to provide for you. And so the idea of Jesus turning bread into stone, he feeds the 5,000. He feeds his friends bread uh, at the Last Supper. Jesus eats fish when he's trying to prove to his friends that he's not a ghost, right? Jesus eats food. God providing for us isn't bad. So it's subtle because Jesus is called upon by God in that moment not to eat at all. And it's only because it is going against the will of God that he is not supposed to eat. So the temptation is, hey, here's this thing. You're not supposed to do it right now, but it's not a bad thing. Take it. And Jesus brushes him away by using the word of God. And then Satan shows Jesus all of the world, right? Shows Jesus essentially, uh, subtext, shows Jesus the Roman Empire. Right, this empire that cert that you know stretches the length that is as long, you know, big as the day is long, and says, "Look, this world's a mess, right? You'd make a great emperor, and then you wouldn't have to suffer. Instead, you'd get all the glory and the honor, and you could do good stuff for people. Jesus would make a great emperor, right? Good kings are good things to have. The world would be better off with Jesus as ruler than whoever was emperor at that point, right?" It's not such a bad thing. Jesus would do a great job. Except it's not the kind of kingdom.
that he is called to have. Jesus being an earthly king is not objectively bad. It is merely not the kind of king God has called him to be. And so he quotes scripture and brushes that temptation to be the ruler of the world away. And then finally, Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple. It says, jump. Angels will catch you. God will save your life. Anytime Jesus is in physical danger, and snap his, he's Jesus. He can snap his fingers, and his life will be saved in that moment. And he doesn't do it then, and he doesn't do it on the cross either. In both of those times, when he is in extreme physical danger, suffering extreme physical pain, he resists the temptation to have God save his life. I am sure we just prayed for several people to have their lives saved. Praying to God to save someone's life is an important thing. I have prayed to God to save my own life. I remember one night I was, uh, I was in Paraguay. I was living and working in the poorest neighborhood in South America. And somebody who was not me screwed up. And so I was having to run four U.S. passports and a $3,000 laptop through the poorest neighborhood in South America in the middle of the night. It was not a great plan. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. But I was the one who ended up running it. So the streets are empty and someone's tailing me. Now, it's easy enough to shake a tail when there's a crowded streets, right? You can, you know, duck, make some cars, break line of sight, and you're fine. I had to break a tail on empty streets in the dark at night where that person who's tailing me knows the neighborhood far better than I do. And guess what? I prayed to God. Hi, God. Can you save my life here? Because I'm pretty sure I'm up a stump. That was not a bad prayer. It's not my fault I was in that situation. I was doing what God called me to do in that moment. Someone had to get those documents and that laptop secured. And that someone that night was me. And so miraculously, truly miraculously, I broke that tail. I got home. I got into the compound. I got the gate shut. I got the documents in the lockbox and everything was fine. So praying to God to save your life is not objectively a bad thing, except when God called you to die. And that's what Christ was called to do. He was not called to pray to God and be saved, which he could have done. He was called to die in a degrading and horrific manner. And once again, both there on the temptation and there on the cross, he swipes that temptation away like so many flies. The subtleness of temptation is that it is not always something that is objectively bad. Murder, assault, larceny, fill in the blank, adultery, right? If those are the things that Jesus has been tempted with, Jesus would have just laughed at Satan in the face and go, no, 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 no. Sometimes temptation is far more subtle. It is the wrong good thing. It is the good thing that is not the will of God not just the wrong, bad thing that is clearly almost never the will of God. The point isn't that Jesus was tempted. The point is that he is able to brush them all away easily. That Jesus very much defeats temptation. And I know what you're thinking, or I'd like to know what you're, I'd like to think I know what you're thinking. 
Yeah, 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 Pastor Trey. I get that he's full of humans. And I get that he batted this stuff away, like, like easily. But also, yo, this guy is God. So of course he did. To which I go, yes, good remembering. Fully, fully human, fully divine. Something I've said at some point sunk in. But, hmm. When he goes to the wilderness, he is led and filled with the Spirit. Guess what happened? Jesus died and Jesus rose and the Holy Spirit came down on Pentecost. That power that is in Christ there in the desert is the exact same power that can be in your life if you will let it. It is not just that Jesus defeated Satan in that one moment and with, with his power, and then he kept that power to himself and said, Hi, I'm Jesus, and I have the power to defeat evil and temptation. No, no, no. By dying on the cross, rising from the dead, and sending down the Holy Spirit to be with us always, Jesus gave that same power to all of us. The point of Jesus' earthly life is not just to show how much better God is than the rest of us. That is certainly part of it, right? Because Jesus lives this perfect human life full of love and self-sacrifice and healing and building something better than, better than any of us. But then in dying and rising from the dead, he gives that same power to all of us. That we can live the way he lived. He came not as an example for us to keep failing to reach. He is an example of what we can in fact reach. When we let that same spirit into our lives. And so in that way, we can most assuredly know that evil will go away. That we can know. That just as Christ defeats temptation, evil will go away. Evil will be, is already defeated. And is all we are seeing is its last dying gasp. Because the power to overcome evil is already present in the world. It was sealed with the death and resurrection and descent of the spirit. I know. We turn on our televisions and it does not look like that. We flip open our phones and it does not look like that. We do, in fact, need to still pray for peace and pray for the people of the Ukraine as we did in prayer time, as I will do on Thursday, as we will keep doing as long as those people are in danger. But even if we have a reminder that evil is still present, we must see in the life of Christ that evil's defeat is already sealed. I know. That seems impossible. But the life of Christ and Christ's death and resurrection are to prove to you that impossible things are possible because of who is behind us, who is at our back, who supplies the power, who supplies the redemption, whose spirit we can let in. And so the challenge for us isn't that isn't whether or not, the question is not whether or not evil will be defeated. It is defeated. Christ showed that, that God will never cave to evil. And with God inside us, we don't have to either. The question instead is, will we believe that impossible things are possible in God?
In the same way that I look, I look at the work of NASA and I see the possibility of the human spirit that I, nev that I never would have thought possible without them. The life of Christ is there as an example for us. Not as a high bar we can never reach, but showing us who we can be if we let God in. We can do the impossible. Evil is already defeated. We just need to let in the spirit that also lets us defeat temptation and evil in our lives and the world around us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that we have this opportunity to be loved by you, to be transformed by you. Your grace moves in our lives. God, we give you thanks that we have a friend that is so powerful that evil is already defeated. But God, they look at this world of ours, it is tough to see that sometimes. And so God, help us so to believe, to know that in you, nothing is impossible. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Grant that we may be empowered by this encounter with you to truly let it sink into our souls that in you, impossible things are possible. We can live as Christ lived. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. The power, the spirit, the strength, the grace to do the impossible is in the world right now because of what Christ did for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.